0: Inspiration can come from anywhere, can come from a book you read, can come from a person you meet, can come from what you know, seeing a program. I find it's very organic; it comes from anywhere. Inspiration it can be about a conversation you have.
1: Welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast, and Happy National Serial Day if you're tuning in from the U.S. I'm your host, Eric Spitz. And in this episode, I talk with Linda King. Linda is an author, travel writer, and blogger based in Melbourne, Australia. In addition, Linda is the founder of the Smart Travelista, which is a platform aimed at helping fellow travel lovers save money on their adventures. Linda is also the author of the Smart Travelista's Guide, which is a four-part book series available on Amazon. Amazon. Linda uses her background as a travel agent and banker combined with a resume of visiting over 30 countries to help other eager wanderlusts explore the world around them without completely depleting the bank account. Then those explorers can take that money they saved and… do more traveling. Our conversation ranges from favorite traveling experiences to places at the top of Linda's travel bucket list, maintaining a work-life balance, and even a time when things didn't go according to plan in Florida and how that only created an interesting story to share later. With all that in mind, just sit back, relax, and get ready for Linda King's journey as a travel writer. All right, so welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast, and first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down and chat with me.
0: No problem, Eric. Lovely to chat with you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you forced me to do more math than I'm used to to nail down on the time difference for setting this up. So I'm recording this from my home in Lansing, Michigan, and I know you're in Melbourne, Australia, which is a 15-hour time difference. So I'm glad I didn't screw up any of that when setting this up.
0: (laughs) No, you did perfect. All good.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Awesome. Now, anyway, we are here to talk all about traveling, which is something I'm very passionate about myself. And I would say you're best summarized as a travel writer, author of four books, blogger, and founder of the Smart Travelista. Can you start by briefly describing what the Smart Travelista is for all the listeners out there?
0: Yeah, so the Smart Travelista is about traveling um, well. And how you do that is really save money on your travel. So... I'm not about backpacking or anything like that. It's about how you travel um, in pretty good standard, but do it cheaply because if you can do it cheaply, then you can do more travel, and that's what all of us travellers want to do. we want to travel, then do more travel. So um, the Smart travel Travelista was born through my love of travel and also saving money. So my background, um, I was a travel agent at an airline, so I had a real... really good opportunity to travel the world obviously did that on a really good discount um but i'm no longer with that industry and i thought all right i still want to do what i did there and cheaply and then that was sort of how i formulated and started thinking about and it sort of came also through conversations with other travelers so as you travel Mm -hmm. you know you get into conversations with people and they're like these tips are good have you got a blog have you got books? <laughs> Have you got a website? And I thought, you know what? I've got none of that. I need to get it. And that's sort of how it all started. So it's sort of sort of a bit of an epiphany, actually, that came to me on an international flight. And I thought, I've got to be recording all this information. Too many people are asking me tips. So it was family and friends as well as other people. So, yeah, that's sort of a, a little bit how it started.
1: No, that's awesome. And I was actually going to ask about that later on because when I was doing my research on you, I saw that you had a background as a travel agent and in banking and that you also studied travel writing and creative nonfiction. So would you say, yeah, so you basically said that that international flight, that's when you had that epiphany of like, I should start the Smart Travelista. A lot of people have been asking me about this. I should really write this down or create a blog about it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it all came together then. Um, it was... Yeah, it was just the too many conversations we were being had, and um, someone said, "If you had a blog, I'd be, I'd follow you." <laughs> I was like, "Right, <laughs> okay." Um, and she and she was a, true to a word; she's following me for sure, among other people. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I, I think a, a lot of it also was I've always been a writer, so I'd always done you mm-hmm. know sort of short stories as a child, and all the way through my my life, I'd written, and I thought these. These two things together are really good. Like it's the two things that I'm passionate about, and then you know, when you're doing something you love, it's not really, really a chore. It's, it's just pleasure, right? And um, yeah, yeah. So I just really wanted to share that with everyone, and that's really the aim of my website, the blog, and the books is to share things that I've learned that I currently use to travel cheaply, and share it with other people. Engage.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And you gained another follower too from it too because I I actually just signed up for your newsletter on the Smart Travel Lisa. So I'm excited to see future updates on it. And I was actually reading through your blog posts and I stumbled upon your article why we should have a travel bucket list. So I have to ask, what's on the top of your travel bucket list?
0: Top of the travel bucket list, the Northern Lights. I want to go up into Scandinavia and see the Northern Lights. And also Greece. So I've traveled a lot of Europe um, but never got to Greece or the Greek islands. So when things settle down a bit, um, definitely be traveling there. But look, I think, Eric, there's so many places in the world that are on my bucket list. We just don't have the time to get to them all, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that was a very loaded question, I realized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My, no, my list is never ending as well. The northern lights would be great. I have not experienced those either, or and Greece. I, that's been on my list forever. And actually, now that I think about it, I my minored in rhetorical and professional writing and rhetoric has its birthplace in Greece and there was a trip through my classes to go there and I I was going to go I really wanted to go but then it was around my 21st I ended up going doing the cliche thing and going to Vegas instead. so, so yeah. I, I didn't end up going <laughs> to Greece but it's it's always been high on my list but then also the Waitomo Glowworm Caves in New Zealand is very high on my list as well. <laughs> and, and yeah. as we've talked uh, – well, as we've talked previously, I've actually been to Australia before, and I would love to go back. I went in 2008, and I can't remember fully what I did there, but I remember I was mainly around Sydney, and I did some exploring around Queensland. And still my biggest regret so while I was there uh, is not seeing the Great Barrier Reef while I was there. And I was uh, – I, I regret that so much because I would have loved to experience that. I went to a rainforest instead, and that was still great, but – Yeah, and apparently I walked right next to a funnel spider's home and the tour guide pointed that out. And (laughs) I'm kind of glad I I went while I was still oblivious to all the animals that could potentially kill me in Australia, but I still want to go back.
0: (laughs) Yes, we we do have a few deadly animals. Um, And I was having a conversation with someone the other day about the kangaroos. So I have kangaroos Mm -hmm. that live in the reserve across from my house. And people, someone asked me, can you go up and pat them? Not the wild ones you can't you'll be you'll no. end up end up in a really you'll end up in hospital actually if you if you go and they won't let you get approach them anyway because they get quite frightened the only mm-hmm. ones that you can actually touch are the ones in the park in the zoos like the wildlife yeah. um, parks the ones that have been tame, tamed tamed and raised by humans but yeah we've got a lot of animals that you've probably heard about some of them you probably wouldn't see because they're too busy sleeping up in the tree um the mm-hmm. koalas but we've got some deadly snakes and spiders you know oh, yeah. at the moment it's summertime in in australia and that's when the snakes start going on the roads and yeah certain spiders start coming out because they want to find somewhere cool to, to to sit um you just hope mm-hmm. they don't come near you um
1: <laughs> oh yeah exactly i personally i'm not a big fan of snakes i I love animals. I I can admire snakes from afar, but I just wouldn't want to be around them. They they terrify me personally, so that's why it <laughs> really meshed well with that. And like I love the the Southwest and the U.S., but I I still snakes still freak me out. I still haven't totally gotten over that.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they are a bit frightening. You don't want to be bitten by one. When it gets really <laughs> hot here, they're on they're on the road, and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, getting out of here. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I exactly. think as a noisy.
1: headed in the other direction. Yeah. No. yeah, and it's it's funny you mentioned kangaroos. I mean, while I was there, I went to a lot of the you know wildlife reserves and things like that to where they're they're in human captivity and they're and they're tamed. They're not wild ones. And you know, I got to pet and be around some kangaroos, which was a really cool experience. But yeah, I, I definitely don't dare be by a wild one. I've seen some videos and read some different things. I know they even. Play this game or something to where if you get in the water with a kangaroo, they'll try and drown you. I mean, they, they're not... <laughs> they're, they're pretty aggressive in the wild, for sure. No joke, kangaroos can be vicious. However, this also has a lot to do with intent. According to ecologist Graham Coulson from the University of Melbourne, kangaroos will go to water if they're threatened by a predator. Kangaroos don't really get much benefit from killing an animal, so they're likely entering the water in the hopes that they're not followed. Which is a common defense mechanism of herbivores a link to the article that talks about this concept more in depth and even outlines other australian animal myths can be found in the show notes
0: yeah and they're very strong they only yeah oh they're very strong (laughs) they they one that i that was close to me one morning its tail was bigger than my arms and legs put together like that and they're just so strong they've got the backs on them if that's what you call kangaroos, they've got like really very strong backs, and yeah, they mm-hmm. they're mag they're magnificent animals to look at. They're just yeah magnificent, but um, very deadly. And yeah, if they go through your car, like sometimes they unfortunately appear onto the road. If one of those was to go through your windscreen, the car would be a mm-hmm. write off because they're just so heavy and and big. Your windscreen will be demolished, and so will your car.
1: Yeah no understandable i i think that's comparable in a in a way too because like i said before i'm in i'm in michigan and we have deer everywhere i mean there's so many deer that just kind of live in in my backyard even i see them out constantly and that's a big issue in michigan as well of just hitting deer and everything they they teach that in driver's ed training about safety on the road when it comes to seeing deer and it's just kind of ingrained into our our nature a little bit to be more mindful of them and to watch out for them while driving. So I feel like that's comparable to the kangaroo where you are.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I would agree.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Now, now obviously you've traveled quite a bit. Uh, How many countries have you actually visited?
0: Oh, on last count, I think it was about 31 countries. Um, All right. Yeah. So we're getting there. I think You know, over the last few years with what's happened in the world, Mm -hmm. we've all, we've all haven't traveled for a little bit, so sort of stopped me a little bit, but once we, we can get going again, I'll be putting down those countries, traveling to a few more. So yeah, but yeah, it's been fun. I just think there's so many more places to go though. It's always the way. Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah, no, it's, it's been it's been a very interesting world with COVID for sure, and actually was going to ask about that as well. How would you say that's impacted your, your travel plans and overall traveling advice? Did you have any trips coming up that were planned that had to be postponed or anything
0: because of COVID? Yeah, so when COVID started, I had two international trips that were that had to be obviously cancelled. I had a lot of um, domestic, so interstate travel, so they were all, all cancelled. I was lucky to get my money back. That was really good. Yeah. So I I think with COVID now, it's sort of probably made everyone a little bit wary. Like normally, you you know, most travellers are like me, they'd have things planned ahead. So you've got trips planned Mm. ahead. But at the moment, you can't really plan ahead because of, you know, the different strains that are coming through. Um, But definitely, I think once we all get herd immunity and everyone gets, you know, triple vaxxed, I think, and when things sort of go back to our new normal, as we we would call it, then yeah, then I'll be planning heaps of trips and, and going around. But yeah, it's been an interesting period the last two years, I, that's for sure.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. Actually, pretty much the week before COVID started, I was actually about to fly to New Mexico to do the Bataan Memorial Death March. It's a, it's a crazy marathon out there. And I was going to fly out on that Friday, the 13th in March of 2020. And things started really ramping up. I'll never forget earlier in that week. I got an email saying the race has been canceled, you know, with everything going on. And I kind of reassessed my plans. And I was like, do I still want to go out there? Because I've been wanting to experience New Mexico for pretty much as long as I can remember. It's one of the few states in the U.S. I haven't been to. And I was so excited to go there. But with the race not going on, it's like, do I still want to go there? And at first I I still wanted to, but then when things really started ramping up and places were closing down and it was really heating up, I was like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe we should put, put this on hold or something. And I'm so glad I did because pretty much the world shut down that, that week after, I mean, that Monday following I came into work and we pretty much had a meeting. We're all sent home and then we all worked from home for 18 plus months essentially. So <laughs> I'm I'm glad I wasn't, I guess, stuck in, in New Mexico an entirely new place. I've never been before and having your quarantine and figuring out a way back. And uh, that would have been, you know, a big mess, but I had so many marathons planned for, for 2020 that just none of them panned out or happened. Just be, you know, given the circumstance, which, which is fine. I mean, because obviously safety is the number one priority there. And just as we deal with, you know, this pandemic. So, Yeah, a lot of things got put on hold for me as well. So I always like to get that perspective from other people, too, about how, I guess, they've been impacted as well. Yeah. And I guess going back to past experience and everything pre-COVID, I'm sure you get this question a lot, and it's a very loaded question, but do you have a favorite place that you've traveled to?
0: Yeah, I would have to say Italy. Yeah. I, yeah, I speak Italian and studied as as, as a kid. I studied a lot of history and... Yeah, that's a, a magnificent place. I always go back quite a, a lot. I think I've been there probably about eight times now. Um, oh, nice. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, say, I'd probably say Italy's probably my favourite place, but Europe is where I'm really drawn to. It, mm-hmm. Because of Australia's location, we're so far away from everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you do go to Europe or you go to the States, you've really got to make a good trip of it because... You couldn't go there for a a week and then come back home. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to have jet lag for a few days, so that'll knock you out for a while. So for for any Australians, we usually, if we go that far afield, we usually go for about at least a month or six weeks because we were just that far away. So, I mean, for me, we're close to Asia, so Asia's quite a good little trip, and it's close, but everywhere else is so far away. So one place I continue to go back to is Italy and explore, you know, north, south... Um, the All the Islands and everywhere else there.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I still haven't been to Italy personally, but my parents actually went and they they rave about it constantly. They haven't traveled a ton internationally, but they talk about Italy quite a bit. I know they went to Sorrento and Pompeii, really liked that. They, I guess, went to a farm where they make mozzarella cheese. I, I know my mom was really raving about the food there and just the culture and the history. And, and it sounds like a a fantastic place to go and experience and... I mean, and the fact that wine is cheaper than water there. I mean, who wouldn't want to go there? <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And, and it's, the lifestyle there is fabulous. Like, I think they've got a really nice balance. They enjoy themselves, they work, mm-hmm. and they enjoy enjoy their life. And it, it, I think when you go there, I know I'm only talking to myself, but when I go there, I can really relax. I, I, I feel like their influence relaxes me. So they're, they're easy-back, uh, laid-back going sort of lifestyle then gives me a really good holiday and I think when you get when you travel you do want to relaxing you know you've got such a high-powered you know might have a high-powered job and go-go life that when you go on holidays you mm-hmm. want that relaxation and you want to just just enjoy yourself and I think that's a really great place if you haven't been to go I'd highly recommend it it's an amazing place and the people they're quite entertaining I have to say as well.
1: <laughs> no, definitely. And I think you you summed it up really great there just that balance. That kind of work-life balance and the lifestyle that they have there cuz yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert on Italian culture by any means, but just kind of what I gather is that they they focus on the important things in life and really make an emphasis on on you know just community and and food and freshness when you know, making meals and dinner. And I I really respect that culture and lifestyle so much. And I feel like that's something that they really capture in there as well. And actually, something you mentioned previously, because you mentioned you speak a little bit of Italian. What other languages do you dabble in?
0: So I've got a bit of an ear for languages. I did French also at school. Okay. But I I pick up a lot of the European languages. So if someone's speaking German or Spanish is very similar to Italian, Mm -hmm. I listen with my ear. And I can usually pick pick up what's going on because a lot of those they call them Romance languages are very similar, and they've got they might have a different ending at the end of the the, um, the word, but the actual root or uh, root of the word is similar. So yeah, so any of those other, I mean probably not the Eastern European because they're a little bit different, and Russia Russian sort of a bit different as well. But any of those mm. Romance languages, German, Italian, Spanish. French sometimes even Greek funny enough not not a lot of Greek but some of the words are very similar as well I don't know whether it was the Italian and Roman influence down in Greece but some of their words are a little bit similar as well but yeah you know they say people have got an ear for music well I've got an ear for languages and when I hear someone talking my ear sort of cocks up and I listen and I, in my mind, I think about, or I'd listen to the words and I can sort of get the gist of what they're saying, even though I don't know the language. So that's a really handy thing that helped me when I was a travel agent, and obviously travelling the world too. It, I think those if you know languages, it, it helps you. You know, if you not that you want to get into bad situations overseas, but if you were to be in a not-so-good situation, you can communicate with them and get yourself out of that situation. So touch wood... Yeah. We don't get into bad situations but sometimes (laughs) and I know I take this from people that I know that don't know languages, if they go to a country where they don't speak the language they get a bit frightened because they think, Oh, what are they saying? But if you sort of have got you know, lucky for me I've got that talent, I can listen and go, Okay, I think this is what they're talking about. And it sort (laughs) of puts you at ease a bit.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's a really good skill to have for sure. And I don't know about you, but I, so I took five years of German in high school and I actually went to Germany in high school and I probably learned more when I was actually over in the country than I did in the classroom because it's a completely different experience when you're actually thrown into the culture and the experience. And I, I thought it, my German was okay. I'm definitely not a star student, I would say, but I would try over there and I would try to speak German, but they would, <laughs> they would see right through it and they'd answer me in English. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I find the same. And I find that they laugh because of the Australian accent. Um, yep. Yeah, but look, you know what? I think they appreciate if you try. Um, yeah. That they, they they love that they respect it, and you probably get better service because you've you've taken the time to learn a bit, and you're attempting to, you know, in, embrace embrace their culture.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And. I, I've actually been teaching myself French for the past two years or so, and next to no crossover with with German that I've noticed so far. So it's like you know, it, it essentially is just starting over with everything with that. But it's been great. It's been fascinating to learn because I I have a big appreciation for I guess fine dining and the food culture, and a lot of those terms, and a lot of it is is based in. French cuisine. So when I was reading cooking books or different things, they drop a lot of different French terms in there, and wouldn't really know what they're talking about. So then I started learning French, and it's been making it a little easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. It, it, that knowledge is good, and they say also um, that learning languages is very good for the brain, as the brain health. Yeah. Because you're you're doing something. You know, not that I'm a medical expert, but they say with Alzheimer's that if someone was to learn another language it actually stalls it off a bit and, and helps with that brain health. So those sorts of things are, are really good. I think they say puzzles are good as well. I mean, if you do mm-hmm. puzzles, that helps the brain, but also languages is another one that that um, is actually very good for the health of the brain.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I find those studies fascinating. I think just like learning any sort of new skill or continuously learning uh, has really, really helped with those, with those diseases long-term for sure. And, Yeah. I find that so interesting and fascinating to learn about. And I I always love learning new things. So it's, it's, it's always enjoyable from my own perspective. I thought I heard someone saying, one of my friends saying something at one point of, if you can dream in a foreign language, then that means that you're fluent in it. I'm I'm not really sure fully what that's based on, but I mean, the logic makes sense to me. Yeah. In the 1980s, Canadian psychologist Joseph DeConnick observed that students of French who spoke French in their dreams made progress faster than other students. But then that begs the question, were they quicker because they dreamed, or did they dream because they were quicker? Ultimately, there is no easy answer for this concept, but it's still interesting to think about. Shout out to my friend Miles Green who first told me about this concept in a conversation we had several years ago. I've also provided a link in the show notes to an interesting article by Babel Magazine talking about these ideas further. Anyway, back to the conversation because <laughs> I often wonder, how well do I actually know some of these languages? I practice at counseling. And I feel like I can pick out words, certain words, yeah. but I feel like I'm by no means an expert if I try to say something in that language or convey a, a certain point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think if a local approaches you and asks you for directions and and he doesn't think it or she doesn't think anything of it, I think you're fluent then
1: yeah. I think that's definitely a good indicator there.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> now, I was actually listening to your interview on the Winging It Travel podcast. And at the time of when that was recording, you were you stated that you are still working full-time in addition to everything you do with the Smart Travelista. Is that still the case? Are you still working full-time in addition to that?
0: Yes. Yeah. So the Smart Travelista is my side hustle. Mm-hmm. I have, do have a full-time job as well. I'm really lucky I work from home with my job. So, even through um, COVID, we work from home. So, it, it fits yep. in nicely. You know, I don't have a lot of travel time. Whereas, if you're going into an office, you know, obviously we will go maybe one day in the future into the office when things calm down. But that extra time, not having to travel on, on transport, is actually time I can put into the business and into writing. So, um, I'm really, I really appreciate that and, ha- and, and happy for that. But yeah, you, you try and get it in where you can, right? Weekends are always full up, mm-hmm. writing and and doing interviews and um, social media and all that. But yeah, I think you just got to find the time. You got to have good time management, I think. And Christmas time was a fabulous was fabulous because obviously all those days off work, so I got a lot of things done, which was really good and caught up quite a bit. But yeah, it, it's a juggle. But mm-hmm. I think if you love to do something, it's not really a chore at all.
1: Yeah, no, I agree completely. If you fully and thoroughly enjoy something, yeah, it just definitely doesn't feel like work. Now, do you have any sort of tips for effectively balancing all of those aspects of your life? Any sort of life hacks or anything?
0: (laughs) I would say exercise is really important Mm -hmm. from a a writer's perspective and also just really productivity wise. I find that exercise is the best, best thing you can do for yourself at least once a day. I know, um, it's funny when you said, you know, mentioned before that you're a runner. Mm -hmm. I don't do running, but I I do walking. (laughs) Some of my best writing ideas come to me when I'm exercising. So it must be that your brain's relaxing and that that the ideas just come. But yeah, you think, like people think, oh, I can't, you know, do an hour worth of exercise. I've got so much to do. But you're actually going to be more productive when you come back if you do that exercise because you've given yourself a rest And the brain sort of resets itself. So that's the one big tip I would give people. One, get a lot of sleep, and two, get some exercise every day. And, you know, have good, really good time management is always really important as well. Have your schedule, you know what you're doing for the day. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't, you don't go to schedule, but at least having that thought that you've got that to fall back on is a really good thing.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree completely. And I can definitely attest to exercise playing a very big role in all of that I mean I'll I'll go for a run pretty much daily and especially when I'm feeling stressed out or something I'll step away go for a run and it honestly helps me clear my head so much more and just think with so much more clarity when I'm done if I'm dealing with an issue sometimes a solution will come to me while I'm on a run which sounds strange but I, I swear it's so effective yeah and there was actually a quote came in my head while, while you were talking about that if, if you don't have the time to exercise or run, because I read a lot of kind of Buddhist and Taoist books, and I think I'm probably rephrasing this quote quite a bit, but it's something along the lines of if you don't have time to meditate for an hour a day, meditate for two hours, <laughs> like basically emphasizing the point, you know, how important it truly is to do.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I think for your health um, and over- overall well-being, it's really important.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree completely. And now the background that you mentioned previously of being a travel agent and having a history in banking, I mean, it seems like the perfect fit for what you do and getting the most value out of your traveling experience. So do you have any top recommendations for any aspiring traveler that's looking to save some money on their trip?
0: Yeah. Oh, I've got so many. Where do I start? one <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The one big tip I would say, if you feel confident and you think you can do it, book everything online. Don't go to a travel agent. Mm-hmm. The travel agents aren't going to like me, but they will push <laughs> on on you products that they've got the high commission on. So you might know what you want in your trip, but they might sell you something else, which is might be good for you as well, uh, but it's going to give them high commission. So if you do the research, plan and organise yourself, you will save a lot of money, a, a, lot, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It, it does take a little bit of time. It can seem overwhelming at first, but give it a try. Yeah. Once you do it successfully once, you, you will never go to a travel agent ever again.
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree completely.
0: So that's one big tip. Second tip um, that I would say is prepay before you leave. There are so many discounts if you do that. Not only are there discounts, you will also get, uh, you will save on foreign currency like exchange rate fees. So normally, if you book book ahead, you pay in your own local currency. If you pay, once you're over there, you'll pay in that, that currency, so whether it's US dollars or euro. And then you may have to convert it back to your local currency. So all those conversions end up costing you money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's really if you can afford to do it pay for everything before you leave it also gives you peace of mind when you're over there because you know you've got your accommodation your flights and everything booked doesn't mean to say that you can't do a tour ad hoc when you're over there or do some other things but just the basics get them paid for and it will save you a lot of money
1: yeah no definitely those are all great pieces of advice for sure I feel like as you get traveling more, you get to your point you get more comfortable with doing everything on your own. And I I have don't have a ton of experience traveling internationally, admittedly. I travel a lot around the states domestically, so but even just little random different things there I've I've noticed and picked up along the way. I'll do different research on hotels compared to Airbnbs if I can find one that's cheaper than the other. I mean, typically in a perfect world, I would love to stay at nothing but Airbnbs just because I feel like it adds to the traveling experience. But if I'm trying to keep costs low or what have you, then I'll kind of outweigh both. But yeah, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of Airbnb personally. I'm not sure if you use it uh, much or anything.
0: Not an Airbnb. Not to say that I wouldn't do it. But yeah, I like a little bit of luxury. So normally I go to hotels. Okay. I've done done other things. I think having come from a, when I was younger, we did a lot of camping and and all that sort of stuff. Uh, when you okay, sort of nice. grow, when you yeah when you grow up, you're like, oh, I actually want to stay in a hotel. I think um, I've, <laughs> done, I've done done quite a bit of that when I was a kid. Yeah, um, not that it wasn't fun. Don't get me wrong, Eric. It was quite fun. Um, and <laughs> but then when you you know when you get a bit of money under your belt, you're like, oh no, you know, I think I want to stay in a hotel just part of, you know, part, it's a preference, I suppose, you know, everyone's got a different preference, but yeah. I wouldn't say no, wouldn't say no to an Airbnb. Um, I haven't personally used them, but, um, you never know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And it's funny you mentioned that because I'll have my different moods as well when I'm traveling. And sometimes I'll, I'll want to have a very gritty experience, I guess, in a way, or a very, just minimalist experience. So for example, I stayed in a yurt right outside of Joshua Tree and it was great. It was a wonderful experience, but then sometimes I'll be traveling around the road and be like, ah, I kind of want an actual shower and not just like a a homemade box outside. Or, you know, I want to actually have running water because I've stayed in, you know, a cabin with no running water or electricity or something like that, which is, it's great in its own regard, but there are definitely times and experiences where I'm like, ah, I should... I kind of want you know a nice warm comfortable bed and a nice shower to wake up to or something but yeah just depends on my mood and and what I'm trying to get out of the experience but
0: yeah each to their own you know whatever people like go for it
1: yeah no exactly and actually speaking of experiences is there a certain country or experience you had while traveling that really took you by surprise
0: well one that took me by surprise I was in Miami and got stuck in a hurricane that really took me by surprise oh wow <laughs> um yeah there was there was a, a a category i think it was a category five at the time hurricane that was heading straight for miami beach which is where i was staying so yeah i had to evacuate but in that i had some good stories that came out of that like the people that i met and um i'm still alive which is a good thing <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't be speaking um <laughs> right. but yeah that 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 taught me a few things it was like okay okay Linda, next time you go to any of those islands, make sure that you don't go in hurricane season. So that was one thing I learned. But, yeah, look, it was an experience, and I don't regret it. It was fun. Not fun at the time, but, yeah, a <laughs> bit, little bit frightening. Um, but, yeah, look, it travels about the experience, right, and the adventure, and that's why you do it, for the adventure. So things aren't interesting if they all go perfect, so I think the most interesting and entertaining adventures are the ones where things go wrong. As long as you survive them, of course. But yeah, that was that really took me by surprise. What didn't take me by surprise was how, how lovely the people are there. They're absolutely gorgeous people, and, and I really enjoyed my time before the hurricane hit. But yeah, that was a was not part of the plan. Put it that way, Eric.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> No, exactly. How exactly do you plan for a hurricane like that? But yeah, I'm I'm glad you were able to find the silver lining in it and still have a wonderful time with the people and learn something from the experience from it and and have a funny story to tell later, really.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to see the positives in it all, right?
1: Oh, exactly. Now, do you have any people that are major sources of inspiration to you? They don't have to necessarily be in the travel writing realm, just in general.
0: Inspiration, yeah. I actually, I don't know whether you've heard of her, but Joanna Lumley. She's an English actress. You make you absolutely fabulous. She does a bit of travelling, and it's, I don't know whether you guys see the the program, but she travels around the world and does documentaries on it. So probably a little bit like Anthony Bourdain. And okay, um, I'm just trying to think of some other other people. But she's so entertaining, this lady, and she goes into everything, and nothing phases her and I think to myself that's what I want to do well, I try and model myself on that when I travel you, you know n- you, nothing's a problem and she always sees the good so there was one um documentary that I watched recently and she said about a country she goes I really don't agree with the country's rules and the way they run society she goes but it's not the people's fault she goes they are gorgeous The people on the street, they have no control over that. And I thought that was a really, really good thing to say. That, you know, she was saying that, yes, she understood that there were certain things in that country that she didn't agree with, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but they wouldn't have been the people to tell the people on the street because they had no control over what what was happening. But, yeah, she's highly entertaining, a funny lady, and, yeah, I always enjoy watching her travel documentaries, but... Yeah, I'm a big big one on all those travel documentaries. You know, if you've got the TV on and you might have, um, you know, cable TV on and there's something about travel, I'm on there. That's the first program I pick, especially if it's a place I haven't been to. I'll put that show on and I'll watch it and take notes because it's like, okay, this is the next place I need to go to. So, but yeah, inspiration can come from anywhere. It can come from a book you read. It can come from a person you meet. Can come from what you you know seeing a program. I find it it find it's very organic. It comes from anywhere. Inspiration. It can be about a conversation you have.
1: Mm-hmm. No, so true. Yeah, so much good stuff there. And yeah, I actually haven't heard of her, but I'll definitely have to check her out now because I was a big fan of Anthony Bourdain myself. That he's he was a huge inspiration for me. And mm-hmm. you no, know, I, I love how you summarize it as well. To where she recognizes that you know she doesn't agree with the rules of this country but it's not the people's fault like she's not afraid to speak her mind and say truly how she feels but then also has the foresight and the sensibility to recognize and say but it's not their fault and to really look at things from a, a big i guess balanced perspective so that's really mm-hmm. interesting i'll definitely have to check out her documentaries now
0: yeah yeah she's i don't know whether you can say them in the US but we get them in Australia and it, She's fantastic. She, I think it's um, I think it's UK TV or BBC,
1: okay.
0: which is their, their channel, so I'm not sure whether you've got that channel.
1: I did some digging, and it looks like you can stream some of Joanna Lumley's documentaries on Amazon Prime Video if you have a BBC Select subscription. However, if you don't have a subscription, you can watch select documentaries on YouTube. I provided a link to her Trans-Siberian adventure in the show notes.
0: But... Um, yeah, she comes, it comes on quite regularly and yeah, she's. if you want to watch an entertaining travel documentary, she's the one to watch. She's quite funny, a bit of a comedian, um, but she's also can be quite serious and, and, and tries to show the country, the best of the country f- and, and to whet your appetite. So you want to go there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, that definitely sounds right up my alley and really interesting to check out. Uh, I'll have to do some digging and, and see how feasible accessibility is for any of this. If I can even just find a bio or something on YouTube or something, yeah. you know, to, uh, just to get a get a feel for her personality and, and everything like that. I'd, yeah, but but you definitely piqued my curiosity with it. I think she she sounds great.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's an amazing woman.
1: Now, I, I know the world is a, still a very strange place with COVID, but is there anything exciting for you on the horizon in terms of anything you're working on or upcoming events or anything like that?
0: Yeah, so I um, just finished the first draft of a travel memoir, okay. which is going to be full of my experiences traveling, but also really heavily on the people that I've met. So it's going to be a collection of, of stories, true stories so that's on, in, in, on the cards that will be uh, released sometime this year but other than that I've got some other books that I'm working on so in the Smart Travelista series and probably get involved with some travel events so last year I got involved with a really amazing virtual travel event and I know they're having another one later this year but there's, I've had a bit of interest from some other people as well so yeah, there's a lot of projects on the, on the horizon Never a dull moment, never a time, uh, never any time to spare, but I wouldn't trade it for the world.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. No, that all sounds extremely exciting. And I'm, I'm curious to see that new travel memoir you're working on. I, I love hearing all those different stories of interactions and the people. And I, I just eat that stuff up. And I, I think that's one of the things I love so much about traveling personally. It's just the interactions, the people, the stories, and just... For a brief moment, being within a culture, kind of in a lifestyle outside your own, you know, going to the the local diners and the hot spots, and kind of being essentially a local for a little bit, or at least trying to be, and I don't know, there's something so refreshing and fascinating about that.
0: Yeah, you get to trial run another culture. Yeah, <laughs> which I think's quite quite amazing.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's truly such a special thing. Jeez, I could I could ramble all day about that. <laughs> Oh me, me too, Eric. Oh, me too. <laughs> now, is there anything I forgot to ask about that you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins?
0: No, I think you pretty much covered everything. Yeah, no, I think all good.
1: All right, perfect. I uh, I did I did my homework to the best of my ability, I guess, and <laughs> covered all the bases. You've done a good job. Perfect. That's. I always love to hear that. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, where can people find more information about you, your books, the Smart Travelista, and anything else you want to plug?
0: Sure, yeah. So, if you're interested in my books, they're on Amazon, and they're under the Smart Travelista Guide series. So, I'll give you a little bit of a rundown. So, Book One's Finding the Best Travel Bargains and Managing Your Budget, which is really about that online, um, how to do that online travel and save your save money while you before you travel and and while you're there. Second book's the Best Overseas Bargain Shopping which is one of my favourites. I love, I'm a big shopper, so it's about all the destinations. A few tips on how to get cheap bargains, but also some of the destinations overseas. Book three is how to increase your airline loyalty points and fly for free, which is about how to maximise your airline points or miles. And book four is how to protect your travel health and safety, so just the things to look look out for to protect your health and safety. If you want to check me out on, on thesmarttravelista.com, I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So Twitter, I'm under the underscore travelista, and Facebook and Instagram at the smart travelista. You can also drop me a a line through to the website. Always up for a chat. Love engaging with people. Yeah, feel free to reach out to me anytime and always love talking about my favorite topic, travel.
1: Oh, so great. Yeah, sounds like you got... Tons of resources and things to keep all the listeners busy, which is uh, always great to hear. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, once again, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time for this. I mean, as I've mentioned before, traveling is a huge passion of mine. It's something I love doing whenever I get the opportunity. And I love the kind of work that you're doing in regards to helping people explore the world around them without it costing them a fortune. So keep up the awesome work. I wish you all the best with your future travels, that traveling memoir, all your writing and everything you're doing with the Smart Travelista. And Maybe our paths will even cross one day when I finally make my way back to Australia.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And yeah, I would definitely meet up with you if you came to Australia and show you one of the good bars here.
1: Oh, that would be wonderful. And, and show me where I can avoid snakes too. Well, probably nowhere, but...
0: <laughs> I'll, give you some, I'll give you some chips. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's, a, that's
1: all I need. So yeah, th- this is such a lovely conversation. And yeah, this is a blast. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Eric. It's been a pleasure. All the best.
1: <laughs> all right. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Links to Linda's website, socials, and other resources can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for Juxtapose Journeys wherever you stream your podcasts and maybe tell a friend or two about the show. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated and it helps the show reach more listeners. It also keeps new episodes coming out. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, Send an email to juxtaposedjourneys at gmail.com with a brief description for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. Or you can find Juxtaposed Journeys on Podmatch and request an interview that way. The Juxtaposed Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner. And music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop
0: exploring.